Welcome to Guild Wars, a podcast dedicated to unearthing the deep lore of Guild Wars and Guild Wars 2. I am Joe Neustel, and between myself and my co-host Tony, we have over 20 years of experience with the Guild Wars franchise and still manage to know very little. So, without further ado, here he is, a big warrior, a great dwarf, <laughs> Tyria's sweetheart, Tony Melchor. Tony, how are you doing today? Pretty good, pretty good. How about yourself? I'm doing good. What have you been doing? What have you been doing? Working, honestly. Yeah, you missed the last episode. Mm Mm-hmm, I wasn't feeling good. Yeah. But I'm feeling feeling fine. better? Yeah, oh, yeah. Good. I I just had a freaking huge headache. My nose, my sinuses are very sensitive, and my neighbor decided to do a controlled fire burn, and my window was open. Fuck me. Well, it gave us a little bit of time, you know, we had a nice story last week and mm-hmm. we had a little extra time to uh, play a game. We we cracked into a ghost hunting game, mm-hmm. Phasmophobia, but before you smash your phones trying to stop this broadcast, <laughs> uh, we're not going to be talking about Phasmo today. But after hanging out, hanging up the old EMF detector, mm-hmm. I logged into Guild Wars, and I was still kind of chasing that adrenaline rush. Oh, sweet, sweet adrenaline rush. I needed some more ghosts, so I headed on to Ghost Central. Okay. A place that used to be the city of Ascalon. Then I began to ask some questions. I began to ask questions. How did this all happen? Any guesses, Tony? Uh, Spicy bowl of soup. (laughs) That's right. Well, not exactly. Uh, that That is... Partially correct. This is a story <laughs> of three parts, and that's the middle part. Okay. More aptly, the faux fire is what caused the ghosts of Ascalon to rise. Mr. Adelburn. Today, we'll be talking about, uh, yeah, the final days of the last king of Ascalon, King Adelburn, mm-hmm. and the faux fire. And as I said, this is a story of three parts, really. Um, the middle portion being that of the war with the char, the the searing mm-hmm. kind of punctuates that middle portion of this story. Really gives it that umph, sort of tips it over the edge in a sense. Yeah, it's the turning point in the war. But us just talking about that is kind of like reading the two towers <laughs> in the Lord of the Rings series and then just calling it a day. So we t- yeah, we told the, the story of the Flame Legion. And their demonic pact with the Titans, the Cauldron of Cataclysm, the Searing, and all of, and about how all of that ties back in with Abaddon. Mm-hmm. But the war between the Char and the Ascalonians did not end there. In the humans, warring ways didn't begin with the Char. There, there were many years of struggling that led up to the Searing, and many more yet to take place before the city, city of Ascalon itself would be claimed by the Char, or would it? Mm, or would it? I like that. So let's take a second here. Let's rewind. <laughs> Who is this king of Ascalon? His name? Adelburn. Yeah, we know that. Mr. Adelburn. And he's not necessarily a king by right. Did you know that, Tony? No, he's not royalty. No, he's not of the royal bloodline. Oh, were they a democracy? <laughs> yeah, you might think so, okay. This is this is uh or is it a bit more like 
um, ritualistic, like you fight for the title? Sort of both. You're kind of right on both fronts. His beginnings weren't quite as that regal. His claim to fame wasn't his royal blood. It was because he was the leader of a guild. Oh. A very, a very important guild, a very popular, powerful, prolific. All those plosives get him in there okay. real quick. This guild was known as Ascalon's Chosen. AC? <laughs> AC? AC on the tag? <laughs> oh, no, that's kind of fucked up. <laughs> and that, that word, Chosen, that's that's kind of a running theme. Everyone thought they were chosen. Everyone's chosen for something. The Chosen... Get sacrificed on the bloodstones. The chose you're the chosen in the flame secret prophecies. The chosen Ascalon chosen, chosen. every recurring theme. Chosen. The warriors are big. The dwarves are great. Ascalon is chosen. Ascalon is chosen. Ascalon's chosen for anything but greatness. Mm. But I digress. Sag. <sighs> so, Addy and his chosen fought in the third and final guild war. Their main mm. opponents were Krita and Or. Oh. His claim to the crown was made by popular demand. And like we were just kind of chatting about, this is fucking wild. Like, this is a democratic monarchy. Basically. <laughs> it just doesn't really make any damn sense. If the people like you enough, they vote your bloodline in. <laughs> I mean, you got to start somewhere, right? They already started with the descendant of King Doric. They started there. Yeah. But... yeah. The would-be king, Duke Baradin. Duke Baradin? Yeah, Duke Baradin. Duke Baradin. He was just kind of, he's he's an NPC, and he's a, he's a, um, a ghost in Ascalon and mm. Loaning Catacombs. I'd be a ghost, too, and be pissed. The would-be king. The would-be king. <laughs> well, he was the descendant of Doric, and we know that they're not all they're chalked up to be. Like We remember King Jaden of Crichton mm-hmm. running away like a little bitch. Yeah. And who can blame him? I mean, King Adelburn's loud, and Duke Baradin is um, a wussy. <laughs> so yeah, he's the younger brother of the previous king, and uh, he just kind of steps down and lets him take the throne. I mean, like, he... I guess the people like you. You want to sit in my chair and put the hat on, or, or what? Maybe he didn't want it. Maybe he was just like, yo, I'd rather just go make candles or something. You know? well, this this makes this next part even worse. I mean, I love a good smelling candle. <laughs> and they're decorative. They're cool. I like the drip candles. Those are pretty neat. Oh. But that makes this next part even worse. He's just schluffing off his responsibilities at that point because he his consolation prize is that his daughter, Lady Althea, mm. like we remember Althea's ash, ashes, this spell. Oh. Yeah, well, we'll see how this turned out for her just by the name of that spell from Guild Wars 1. She's promised to Prince Rurik so that the Duke's royal bloodline will remain upon the throne. His consolation prize. Okay, I see now. So, like, if he didn't want it... He still has a hand in it. He still has a hand in it. Like, just do your thing. Make make your damn candles or, you know. Yeah. Shit or get off the pot, man. Influence without the responsibility, I guess? Hey, that's sick. I, I'm in it. Duke Baradin for the win. He's all... I'm with it. No responsibility... Give it here. I guess so. Yeah, that's what I would say. <laughs> this move is pretty common throughout history. Like, if you are someone who's like usurping the crown, if you're if you're doing that, it is a really wise move to marry back into the royal bloodline, 
so that your 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 son or daughter, like historically, it's been sons, but you know, whomever your offspring have a a literal claim to the royalty. Mm-hmm. And your influence is still good. Yeah. Well, your bloodline is then then has like the the actual lineage, the patronage of like the royal name to it. Okay. But in this situation, it's just weird because they're all friends about it. Usually <laughs> it doesn't happen that well in the ancient histories of actual Earth. They're just hella cool people. And they're just like, oh, dude. Like, bro. Bro, get back in here. Yo. Get back in here. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I almost just said something terrible. Uh, so, so Adelburn was the leader of a badass guild. Uh, let's get to know the know the gang here, shall we? Mm-hmm. Um, so we already got to learn a little bit about Devona and her father Mordecai last week. Rip. But other than them leading off, we have a real bad boy, none other than the king's rebellious son, Prince hmm. Rurik. The family duo Devona and Mordecai. Mordecai's right-hand man, Burian, who we learned a little bit about last week. Agustin. No, nothing else about Agustin. His son's still around in Guild Wars 1, but he doesn't say... His lips are zipped. Okay. Agustin. Oh, no, that's not the guy I messed up. Agustin, we have a little something about him. Um, but this unnamed Crichton, who serves Ascalon for some reason. And this guy, there's nothing about him. There's just a... His son's still around, and all he has to say is that his dad was one of them, and that's it. It's like, yeah, my family has served Crito or Ascalon. We're Critons, we know, but we've served Ascalon for three generations. It's like, what are you doing, man? You're just standing around here. The fuck? Is that going to come back later on? Oh, I don't know. Maybe, probably not. Probably not, but that that's... I mean, maybe they were thinking of doing something with that. Maybe, like, expanding on it further, at least. Now, I have thoughts about where we can expand with the Guild Wars and, like, after End of Dragons, when the dragons are all said and done. Mm. I've, I have some wants, but we'll talk about that after we wrap this up. Put a little bow on it with that. Cool. Because it wraps back around in a good way. Nice. And finally, Igraine, who is seen much later in the Realm of Fear... And her, uh, the story she's involved in holds a little nugget of mystery, potentially yet to unfold in the world of Tyria. Okay. So, looking at these heroes, like we said last week, gives us a, a really good opportunity to sort of sink into the the lore around the canon Guild Wars, mm-hmm. which is pretty much almost never talked about. Um, they just say guild, the Guild Wars were bad, and that's pretty much where it's left, and it's... And that's it. Yeah, it's just weird that they share the same title. We named the title after this stuff, but yeah, they were kind of just bad, so... It just kind of happened. Yeah. Here's this other stuff, by the way, and then that was it. So yeah, we'll talk about some stories of these of these adventures, these Ascalons chosen. We talked about Mordecai. That was a pretty pretty crazy story. What'd you think about that one, man? Dude. I know you were listening from afar. Crazy. The last part was super sad. Yeah. Super sad. It's very, very they put I don't know, they did that really well. It was very touching. Poor guy though. Thinking about his daughter trying to make a home. Yeah, that was pretty rough, and Burian getting his head twisted around backward. Yeah, so Mordecai and Burian both fall at the Battle of 
the Battle, Battle of Kylo. And you can kind of go check that out as PvP map if you're interested in looking at what Ascalon looked like before it got burned to the ground mm-hmm. and regrown. And go to PvP, click that map, yell at your people to rotate, and take a good look at the surroundings as well. <laughs> yeah, if you don't yell at your friends, if you don't yell at your companions, I wouldn't call them friends. I wouldn't com- even call them companions. People you're placed with sometimes. Like it or not, your <laughs> companions. <laughs> Win or lose. Win or lose. That's true. If you're not yelling at them to rotate in that map, you're not playing the map right. It's just part of the mechanics of the <laughs> yeah. map. There's trebuchets. Trebuchets. There's three nodes, and you yell to rotate. Mm-hmm. Just kidding. Don't do that. But back to the lore. Uh, first thing, so this... this this battle spurred two events in lore and in the actual like functioning of the game. Mm-hmm. I guess let's talk about the mechanics first. Uh, yeah. So the battle kind of sounds a lot like world v world, doesn't it? Like guild a versus guild owns a keep in a town and then the other guild besieges them and then breaks through and has to kill the Lord. Sure. Yeah. But it sounds a lot like world v world and the guild Lord, that terminology is a direct reflection of GVG from Guild Wars 1 and the maps of SPVP and Guild Wars 2, which were inspired by GVG. I think it's only Faux Fire, though. Um, I think you're right. I think it is only Faux Fire. All right, now back to the lore. Toodaloo-doo. Yeah, I can't think of any other ones. The first thing in the lore that this event spurred was a burning inspiration in Devona that would lead her to surpass the accolades of her father tenfold, adventuring the breadth of Tyria and eventually assisting to bring the Flame Seeker to his end. You know what? There's a map you spawn minions at that has guild lords. Or guild a guild lord. Oh, that's true. Uh, uh, Champion's Dusk. Champion's Dusk. Yeah. I don't like that map. Anyway. I think so. The second thing that this inspired is... A fear in the heart of Agustin, which would lead lead him to desertion. Oh. Yeah, oh, he damn. fled Ascalon. He took his daughter and was like, these guild wars are fucked up. We're getting out of here. More, man. Can't say that I blame him. So while traveling through the Shiver Peaks with his daughter, he had his soul consumed by a sorceress. Oh, my God. Yeah, a sorceress shit. who gains the power of the people that they consume, and his daughter was enchanted by the sorceress to lead unsuspecting victims into her grasps. Oh, no. But I like... Now, that's all some fantasy, like, kind of, like, edging on horror, like the the washerwoman, you know, the, the, the woman in the woods, like the witch, kind of, like, you know, whatever. But I like how heavy hitting it is that this battle, these things that were happening in the Guild Wars are so heavy and how how did i phrase that a lot of the stories in this game express like around the guild wars they express how terrible it was and just like in general the things that happen in this game like the dragons and everything it's all so traumatic Mm -hmm. these are traumatic things but the weight of the trauma is seldom felt in an mmo world yeah, they do a good job, like with some of the characters in the living world stuff, and like you know, Dragon's Watch, and but for the most part, it's just a bunch of sparkly people running around in a terrible fucking setting. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, 
This next one's a little one-off. Not really surrounding the guild, the guild wars, but it's interesting all the same. So a grain, the mm-hmm. last, the last of the Ascalon, of Ascalon's chosen. Mm-hmm. She, on the other hand, has a mortal tale that is completely unknown. Okay, but she was a prominent member of Ascalon's chosen, I guess, and uh, she ended up tainted by Abaddon to carry to carry on in the domain of anguish. Uh, and how she got there, nobody knows, but it's probably due to being captured by Flame Legion, sacrificed to the Titans, minions of Abaddon, all that other. But her, though, her of all people, like, that's so crazy and random. So she just leads the domain? No, she just lives there. So she has a mission in there. So you show up in Guild Wars 1. Mm-hmm. She's an NPC that takes place as part of a quest. And this is very interesting. So her quest post-mortem is to disrupt the servants of Abaddon mm-hmm. who are conducting a ritual in the domain of fear to manifest the unseen. This is not to be confused with the unseen ones or Mursat. Okay. Uh, it's a powerful demonic entity that Abaddon wishes to align himself with. And the unseen is yet unseen. <laughs> As a grain is successful in stopping the ritual, but it's still out there. So there's something else that we haven't seen. Maybe one day we'll see it. Oh, shit. Okay. Well, that's cool. They're just putting more resources out there they can pull from. Oh, that's like a deep fucking cut, man. Like, that is the deepest deep cut you can get. Like, if they pull that one back out, I'll be like, fuck. (laughs) You done it. That's dope. And so... Just before World v. World Reset, at the end of a hard-fought battle, the Char swoop in for Act 2 of this three-act three act little play we have going on here. <laughs> before World versus World Reset. Nice. Everyone's tired. I'm logging for the night. You know, it's the night before. No, you don't even log. You just sit there, gather your pips, right? <laughs> I don't. Uh, dude, I don't <laughs> or something. I don't play enough World I'm either going to play or I'm not going to play. That's fair. Straight to the point, I like it. Oh, um, you know, ending we kinda got off track with the whole mysticism of a grain, but mm. I did I did kinda wanna like wrap that whole world v world the guild wars thing up kinda mm. clean. Um I would love it if we went back in that direction. You know, the dragons are gone and we don't have a conflict Just, necessarily. Okay. Just I would straight love guild it versus guild. People shit. started turning on each other again. Could you imagine uh, Dragon's Watch trying to come together and stop a, another war between the Char and the humans? You know, Bangar Runebringer out there, like fighting with, you know, Queen Salma, like an invasion or something, trying okay. to be a peacemaker in an actual, like, conflict between the nations who have fought together for so long. That'd be fucking gnarly. In a time of peace. And then we could actually see or feel experience what an actual guild war guild what guild wars is i guess in a sense for the most part like the the lore it was about i mean we can world be world and that's like a guild war but it's in the mists i want to see like some real world implications happening sort of along the lines of like uh who controlled what towns in guild wars factions maybe something like that but either Mm -hmm. here or there however it's done that that is That'd a, be a cool. That is a direction I would like to see things go. That'd be really dope. Yeah. When the people of Tyria have nothing else to do but turn on each other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
So yeah, we all know the story of the char swooping in. Mm-hmm. We know the story of the searing. We've talked about it many time and time again. You know, spicy bowl of soup. We've driven it into the dirt. But uh, following the events of Guild Wars, a once great school of the arcane arts, Nolani Academy, falls to the char. And shortly after, so does the stronghold of Rin. Um, these are things that you save during Guild Wars, but you know you dip out, and there's there's not enough chosen. Yeah, <laughs> you take all the chosen with you at that point, and this leaves nothing more for the Char to take over but the city of Ascalon itself. After the death of his son, King Adelburn is super resolute in holding this city. He is he is not backing down. And I won't back now. In preparations for the final battle for Ascalon, he sings a song very similar to what you just <laughs> what you just done. <laughs> you realize there's a mic in front of you. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, I won't back down. That's how it goes. He sings. Uh, he, he sings. Ruth Castle's never gonna give you up. <laughs> As he's holding the city, striking. Great morale into into his teammates' hearts. He's walking he, across the. Uh, he just has a trench coat on. He's doing the, the little dance. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> what? <laughs> you he know, Rick Yeah. Dance. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, bro. I know. He just does a little backflip off of like oh, the uh, the crenellations. <laughs> the crenellations. He's just walking the ramparts, <laughs> singing to his troops. Dude, yes, I would die for that man. I would do it. If I was there, I, no, I wouldn't. But I, you couldn't die for that, man. Not after the foam fire. That's true. Okay. <laughs> uh, shit. So in preparations for the final battle, yeah, he makes a tactical decision to recall the Ebon Vanguard. He recalls them to Ebonhawk. He charges them with the protection of Ascalonians and the supply line for the city of Ascalon itself. Hmm. Okay. And these civilians are basically, you know, commoners who would just be in the city of Ascalon, and if the city gets taken, they're fucked. Yeah, yeah. Just casualties of war. It was total war, as the Romans would call it. And there's, there's like, an alternate account to this that he sent them there, yes, to protect the supply lines, but people thought he was insane for, you know, not following suit with Rurik and, like, trying other options and fighting that fight that nobody thought he was going to win. So the people who disagreed with him, who took the wind out of his sails, he sent away to be an Avonhawk because he didn't want people dampening morale. I guess that makes sense. I mean, if you're trying to do a Hail Mary, might as well get rid of anything that'll try to stop it. One version, he's a hero, and the other... He's kind of a madman, which is a lot of history. Yeah, I was going to say, there's an account, there's two sides to every account, I'm sure. Or a few point of views. There's always a different point of view to something. So, this battle, this final battle for Ascalon, just like what we had previously spoken about, has two accounts. It's accounted by the humans that Adelburn's army fell around him to the very last man. Dude, it's fucking gnarly. Yeah, and he alone <laughs> fought his way through the lines of Char with his magic sword. What was it called? Magder? Magder. His magic sword, Magder. And the sister sword of Sahathan. I was going to say, I just remembered Rurik's. Yeah, he wields an icy dragon sword, essentially. A blue fire. Oh, that's sword. so cool. Yeah. That's so cool. 
uh, it's when this sword strikes the claw of the Connor wielded by the general of the char <laughs> that it sparks the faux fire and he uses oh shit and it's he in his moment of ultimate heroism wielded the magic of the sword and the crown atop his head to call back his allies as an undying force to defend the city of ascalon Holy until shit. the end of time he pulled an aragon except these ones stayed yeah are you talking about the warhorn thing? Uh, yeah. When when they go get that undead army, mm-hmm. yeah. but he basically was like, "Yo, help me, and then I'll release their souls," and they they left. So, well, these don't these, these, these souls are... don't have that option. <laughs> yeah, these stayed. You're here, whether you agreed to or not. That's crazy. So he went up. He struck blades with Connor, <laughs> and did some magic shit. Yeah, neat. So the account by the Char is that his army fled in fear, and it was in his rage that he plunged his sword into the ground at his feet, using the magic of his crown of his sword to curse the land, slaying everybody, Char and human alike, the force and, and forcing the dead into service forevermore. Oh, fuck. So, friendly info. Gone. Whomever. I mean, if a human walks into Ascalonia catacombs, what happens? Well, okay. Dead. They don't greet him with a smile. Yeah, that's true. So yeah, it's believed that the ancient legends tell that the curse can be broken. <laughs> oh? The faux fire can be lifted if the descendant of the bloodline of Doric, wielding the sword Magder and the crown of the kings of Ascalon, Returns to the city to rule. The sword, my friend. Mm-hmm. The sword. Where is it now? The icy dragon sword? I have no idea. The story missions for Ascalonian Catacombs is to help Erstagalkin delve into AC and retrieve that magic sword. It's broken, but you retrieve the parts so she can have it reforged. Oh, shit. So that... We might give it to Logan Thackeray to help make the amends between him and Ritlock, who wields the sister sword, Sahathan. If we remember their little love bout and, mm. and them fighting over it and then being like, it's cool. Well, she tried to make them like the dynamic bro duo, but once you retrieve it, the sword's never heard of again. Huh? I didn't know that. So it's somewhere. I, I've only, I did that proper story a long time ago for AC, and then I only just power run it for, for the, that currency. That's power crazy. Run it for the runes? For the runes. Monk runes, right? The monk runes mainly. Wow. Okay. So it, it can be broken. They perhaps. Can, they can perhaps be released. Where the hell did the sword go then? Where the hell did the sword go, Tony? Huh. These are questions we'll be asking ourselves. They gotta probably for like the rest of the evening. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) They gotta bring that back somehow, right? That's 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 big. They could. I mean, it's big. It's not big. I mean, the world's huge, and there's so much stuff going Uh, on. Who knows? Who cares? Whatever they do, they do. But there's options. There's so many options. All the options. All the options. There's so many stories to tell. I'm so happy we're getting done with dragons because there's all these other stories that. I've just been buried beneath the ruins of Ascalon. All right. 
So that's so cool, Tony. What do you think about the final stand of the Last King of Ascalon? Crazy, pretty gnarly. Just yoloed, just straight up yoloed. Was like, nah, dude, you ain't taking this shit from me. If I can't have it, you can't have it, and I'm gonna make sure you can't have it. Yeah. What do you think about the credibility of the stories? Do you think he's a crook, or do you think he was truly a hero? I think it falls into a gray area. I think he was neither good nor bad. I think he had good intentions, but that's, I don't know. I think he falls a little more on the selfish side, giving his... Uh, oh, hands down. He stayed. He risked everyone's life when he could have dipped. Yeah, given his uh, his interactions with Rurik when he tries to leave and how he's respond, uh, yeah, how he responds to... Rurik doesn't respond. How Adelburn responds <laughs> to uh, his death. And I think he's just a bit of a power-tripping madman. He's no royalty. He just kind of was given that shit and ran it into the ground. It's his pride and his ego take over. Baradin was a smart motherfucker. He should bounce, though. <laughs> yeah, I'd say, I'd say definitely not hero. I'm sure he did good things, but... I'd say a bit in the middle. Here's one. Would you like to see him as a Revenant elite spec someday? Do you think he makes the cut? Technically, he can't because he's still stuck in Ascalon. I don't know what he'd be, though. Like, sure, he, he'd... Um, guess... burning. He'd just be a firebrand. Maybe. Or he had some really, like, I don't know. It'd be hard to, like, picture out what it'd be like. I guess that's what the developers are for to brainstorm that, but I mean, honestly, I, I don't it makes think it more would. sense than Glint. It would be e- not mm. not more sense because she's the ultimate hero of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> she's the, she's the absolute best. I think that it would be easier to conceptualize a move set for a human fighter king than a dragon. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That would be yeah. In that as in that respect, yeah. Could be cool. I mean, he controlled magic. He was able to control magic, so could be get some spicy skills up there. Yeah, never gonna happen. Like it doesn't matter. Just nonsense talking. But that's just a way to gauge it. Do you think he he would ever be deserving of that? I mean, was Shira Tagachi deserving of it? But he is fair play. I mean, kinda. Yeah, he he didn't just curse one city. He cursed an entire continent. He went, he went hard on that one. I mean, okay, so I would think like the revenants look at it without bias, mm-hmm. maybe. So yeah, I think, I think it's possible. I think for sure. I, mean, it was, I assume he had great revenants. power to fucking do that. I mean, you, you kill, you, you make an AOE death ring that kills things, everything in there, and then resurrects them. That's pretty OP. So, I mean, if you were a revenant. With an unbiased view, I think you would probably look into that. Hot take, revenants are all just cracked as the potter's cobbles. I can, yeah, yeah. The mists, man. All right. I think we're going to call that good for the night. Mm-hmm. Socials, throw them in the description. Mm-hmm. You can check them out. Send us an email. Send us a uh, other stuff. Yeah. Send us a picture of your cat. Send us a picture of your cat. Oh, that's a good one. Rate us on iTunes, all that other stuff. Anyway, we will see you in Tyria. Thank you all for listening. Thank you, guys. Goodbye.